Hey everyone, Eric Watson here, and this is the recorded audio of a DM-only live stream in which I prepare for our next live session and chat with fans twice a week at my Rogue Watson YouTube channel. Please note that these streams are full of DM spoilers. This was not originally intended for an audio-only format, but has been converted to a podcast for your convenience. The channel and by extension this podcast are supported by Patreon. If you'd like to support my work, you can do so at patreon.com slash roguewatson. Enjoy the show. Watson here, freelance writer, player of games, writer of origin, quarter of videos, and at tabletop role-playing aficionado. Welcome to the Thursday edition of my bi-weekly behind-the-scenes DM-only livestream crafting Icewind Down, which I built right and prepared for our next session of Rime of the Frostmaiden. If you are playing characters Val, Robin, Frey, Celeste, Edmund, or Thimbleweed, this video is not meant for you, and it will be full of spoilers. But for the rest of you, welcome. We stream our D&D sessions live on YouTube every Friday. Watch all of our D&D sessions and reviews here on YouTube. You can follow me on Twitter at Rogue Watson and join our official Discord server with invite link in the description below. If you'd like to support the channel, please check out patreon.com slash roguewatson. For our campaign, we use roll20.net. And for streaming, I use open broadcaster software with Streamlabs. You'll have to forgive me because my mind has been completely uh, absorbed in planning the Patreon D&D game, which is tonight. I've been uh, furiously doing all my last-minute preppings, and then like, oh yeah, I also have to now switch gears and think about Rhyme of the Frostmaiden, which we're actually not running until next Friday. In case you missed the announcement, we are doing a Halloween one-shot uh, tomorrow night. So this is all for uh, next Friday's session, and we are still talking about Grim Scala. Oh, you know what I need to do before is uh, copy and paste. Oh, where was that? Was that under Rhyme? Uh, a awesome fan of the show, Hydrus, posted a... Shoot, where is it? It's in general, D&D. <laughs> I'm going to have to look in the Discord channel. Uh, oh, where was it? I can't find it. Uh, pasted a macro that I can use for healing potions. Yet, my dumbass is unable to find where it was... Posted. I just put it in the other one, and I didn't put it in this one. Where on earth? Well, hopefully somebody will help me out. I don't know what I did with that, but it was somewhere in the Discord. I can add that macro in there. I guess I could switch the other game, but I don't want to show spoilers of that one. So you don't get to see that one yet. I was somewhere in here. Shoot, I'm literally just searching through the Discord. I can't find it. Uh, oh, I still can't find it. Okay. Maybe virtual tabletop. Oh, there it is. Okay, of course, because it's in Roll20. Okay. I copy this. You can watch me make a macro real quick. Uh, copy that. Actions. I'm going to call this. I like to name it after the person who gave it to me. Hydrus's Healing Potions. Maybe I should call it Healing Potions by Hydrus, and people will click on it. Let's do Healing Potion first. Healing Potions... Hydra's immortalized. Make sure it's visible to all players. 
If we test the macro, it gives me a pop-up where I can select what kind of healing I want, and then boom, it just rolls it. How awesome is that? That's so slick. No more having to ask. Shout out to Hydras. Thank you so much. When will it be able to watch? Oh, the patron game? Um, Whenever I get a chance to upload it <laughs> is the answer. Uh, I usually try and put it to where it's not near our Friday show, if that makes sense. That way we kind of space out uh, the D&D programming. So more than likely, it'll be available for uh, patrons this weekend and then available publicly for uh, everyone, hopefully early next week. But I will say I've got a hell of a, a, this has been a really busy weekend weekend for me. So we'll, you know, we do a whole big Halloween weekend celebration thing with my household. So uh, no promises <laughs> on when that's coming up. Save changes. So I think anybody, any of the players can now click on that and roll the healing potions, which is awesome. There it is. Okay. It is alphabetical. Yay. So thank you, Hydrus. Okay. We got that taken care of. All right. So back to Grim Scala. Uh, I'm kind of going to repeat a lot of what I talked about on Monday's stream, which is trying to flesh this dungeon out, making it a compelling level 11 dungeon. But it's also, the players have also been through a bit of a gauntlet already. Um, and not having long rested yet, which I appreciate, just still short resting. So it doesn't have to be a full, full, full big dungeon. And frankly, the next, really the next whole areas we're fixing to tackle are all dungeons, right? Like the, the Caves of Hunger, which is really the only one big mega dungeon, like traditional dungeon crawl in this entire campaign is finally coming up. Um, and that's going to be like actual several sessions of dungeon crawling. And then after that, we've got Aetherin, which is kind of like the Omu version of Dungeon Crawling, uh, which I really liked Omu into Annihilation, where they're kind of going through a lost city, and there's kind of a overland map thing you're using, and then they're going to different points. So it's technically not like a battle grid map situation, but um, they are traveling around a, a dangerous area where I will have encounters set up, and then they will be doing all these towers, uh, kind of similar to the shrines in Omu, little events which are based on uh, the Expanded Towers of Magic by Dan Khan, available on the DM's Guild. So this does not have to be a very major, crazy uh, dungeon crawl. In fact, it's going to have a lot of story stuff involved. We need to put, in fact, we need to put Gaunt and Valen slash Nass on this map, and it's going to take care of a lot of story things, which is going to be, if we're being honest, very tricky to pull off and always a challenge for the DM. I think this is probably one of the cha the challenging things... <laughs> <laughs> the DM can do, which is try to mesh um, important storytelling cinematic moments uh, while still giving your players, if not the illusion of choice, then maybe just straight up the freedom of choice to make their decisions and guide the story because there will be some situations that I will not be prepared for. Where is... That's already shown up as Prisoner 237. Uh, well, I guess we can still use that token. So time is such a big... I mean, it's, it makes sense. This one is built for giants, so I get it. All right. Your stat block needs to change. Baelish. Surely they retrieved your spellbook. 
Maybe he's even got a staff. You know, I haven't figured out what good treasures the players are going to get. Maybe if they actually take on the villains here, they could acquire some of the treasures. The major plan for the test. Well, we only just went over the test on Monday, but um, we're probably going to keep some of them. I don't necessarily even agree with the idea of using the Reged tribes for every single test. I feel like there could be some more uh, variety there. Um, I like the themes of the test, but being teleported to just dealing with these people that the players have never met before and probably shouldn't necessarily care about. Uh, like, Thimbleweed technically has ties. He was a Reged Nomad, I think was his backstory, and yet we just did a huge Thimbleweed-centric uh, session where he literally transcended into a whole other form, so I don't think... It's not like people wouldn't recognize him anymore, so that the, the connection there is kind of lost. Uh, versus if I had everybody, like, temporarily teleported to, like, you know, outside uh, Bryn Shander or something and had to deal with... In fact, that might be a good way to show the seriousness of um, the time constraints the players are under. Like, people are just dying in Bryn Shander, and, and maybe that can be a better way. I'm almost picturing, like, a uh, Charles Dickens, like, you know, the goblins, like the ghosts of Christmas Past situation, where, like, you know, you're taking the players... Um, into uh, situations designed to make them feel things. <laughs> Although in this case it'd be Christmas present because these things uh, should be happening now and not in the past or the future necessarily. All right, so as written, what is your stat block? Because it's not going to be good enough, I guarantee you. Fifth level spellcaster, CR1. Uh, it's got Counterspell, which is good. Lightning Bolts. Alright, so clearly that's not good enough. Fifth level Spellcaster. Baelish Gaunt should be pretty damn strong. I'm thinking, like, is Archmage too much? If we just search Mage, does that give us some options? What is an Archmage? I'm going to say, let's guess. Uh, Archmage is CR9. CR12. I was a little off there. 18th level spellcaster. Good lord. Uh, okay, he's got 9th level spells. That's probably not right. I don't think it should be that strong. Well, shoot. I need something between mage and... I, I think a mage is a CR6. Maybe I need something between mage and archmage. I don't want to make him an archmage. Because he's kind of... He's not necessarily the BBEG here. Um... Lantamir kind of is, and I can give her kind of a super crazy stat block that doesn't really play by... Well, I guess I should play by the rules to an extent, <laughs> now that I think about it. Uh, let's see. Different kinds of mages. Maybe I can search wizard. Basic-ass mage. What is your basic-ass mage? Has fifth-level spells... Ninth level spell caster. That's actually pretty close to what Valravin is. Although 40 hit points is atrocious for a CR6 creature. Good spells though. Misty Step, Suggestion, Counterspell, Fireball, Fly, Raider Invisibility, Ice Storm, Cone of Cold. They're all solid spells. I guess I could take the Mage stat block and scale it up a lot. They had, like, weren't there different kinds of mages introduced at some point? 
Maybe they're under something like Enchanter and all that. Search, uh... Wizard. What does Wizard get me? What was the situation with the goblins that we left off? That has been forever. I don't know if they would necessarily care. Okay, here's the ones I was talking about. Apprentice Wizard, Conjurer Wizard, Diviner Wizard, Enchanter Wizard, Evoker Wizard. Which is a CR9. Okay, 121 hit points. That's better. Oh, interesting. They just have a straight up, like, cantrip ability here. Arcane Burst plus 7 to hit, 40 10 plus 3 force damage. Damn, okay. Right, so the, the newer creatures don't use traditional spell slots, does it? It's just at will, twice per day each, and once per day. Ice Storm, Lightning Bolt, Mage Armor. No counterspell, though? Wall of Ice. But his multi-attacks makes three Arcane Burst attacks, which honestly, that's probably better than using a spell. 4d10 plus 3 force damage? What the hell does that look like? Jeez. You can do 20 damage three times. And force damage, ain't nobody got resistance to that. That's better than casting a spell. That's weird. <laughs> Becomes an auto-attacking mage. Plus this ability. Just explode an ability. Magic erupts into 20 foot. It's just, hey, do your own version of a fireball. 98. 98 is actually better than a fireball. Mmm, yeah. That's weird that you're not actually casting spells. I would probably give you counterspell, just because that's the best thing that you can give an NPC, I believe. If I should go Evoker or something else. Demeanor may make more sense uh, thematic-wise, but... What spells does that give you? You don't get the Evoker thing. Plus six to hit, you do less damage, you do acid damage also. So he has some resistances, resistance con saving throws, creates a magic stone. Oh, you get one of those things, okay. He does get fireball, hold person, polymorph, telekinesis, huh. Oh geez, it's only, it's only a CR5 though. I thought these were all kind of the same level, that is not the case at all. Meter is not nearly as strong. The first time I really looked at these stat blocks, I guess. Enters also CR5. Is it just the Evoker who's stronger? CR3 for the Illusionist. Okay. Hmm. I could always take the Evoker and just switch out some of their spells, but the fact that it can do like just so much raw damage is pretty crazy. Let's try... Definitely want to do better than Mage. Because if they... The idea is they don't have to fight these guys. But if they do, I want it to be a damn good fight. So let's take the Evoker Wizard, just so I can duplicate you. And I don't know what I'm going to do with 
Lantamere. She's going to be some kind of... Oh, what was it? Where did I make that? I think it's still in my journal. Used a cool stat block that was like a, like a warlock turned into a wraith thing. What's that thing called? Oh, how many creatures I've used. This was... Deathlock right, that's what it was. Deathlock white. And then give it... Combine that with like a ghost. Let's see our three though. Isn't there a higher level Deathlock? Deathlock is also a Deathlock mastermind. There's a whole hierarchy of these things. A lich. Dr. Four is not that strong. Little spells. Okay. That's actually not. Doesn't even appear to be as strong as the white. It's got life drain and grave bolts. And it can cast hold person, fear, armor, deathlock, with all spellcaster. There's Eldritch Blast, which is weird, it's not in its actions. Uh, Arms of Hadar. I'm trying to remember what she did at the end of the cutscene combat thing I unleashed. I think it was. I think it was Arms of Hadar, and then she basically teleported out with Dimension Door. She also, somehow, when she killed people, they turned into... I think they turned into Deathlock Whites, right? Maybe it was something else. I'm going to have to go back and... What did I do? God, this is... This is the problem with having a callback that was so long ago... In our campaign that I didn't remember what the hell I did. Minimize these tabs. All right. I need to restore the Charlin excavation, and let's go back to this map. Generally, these maps are frozen in time. Yeah, I did use the Deathlock Whites. Okay, so she could actually spawn those things, which is always good. You want your villains to be able to spawn creatures. kind of her bullshit power she had that was in the stat block. Alright, what is the mastermind name? Mine's a CR8, 100 hit points. The damage resistance. At will, detect magic, disguise self, mage armor. Advantage on saving throws against any effect that turns undead. Also has the grave bolts. Weirdly no multi-attack. Double Spellcaster, regains spelling spells. Uh, does not have Eldritch Blast, that's weird. Arms of Adar, Blight, Counterspell, Crown of... Obviously I would give it more spell slots. Crown of Madness, Darkness, Dimension Door, Spell Magic, Fly, Hold Monster Invisibility. Those are good spells. Dispel Magic, Counterspell, Crown of Madness, Dimension Door, Arms of Adar. Alright. I'm thinking, what I, so when I like to make monsters, I start with another monster, fucking copy it, and then modify it from there. I don't really ever feel the need to build something from scratch, because at this point in 5e's life cycle, there are so many creatures available. Nine times out of ten, you can find something that's 
decently similar to what you're trying to come up with. At least in terms of its like raw attributes and stuff. And then you can give it the sexy actions and spells. Obviously she would definitely have legendary actions and stuff if it came down to it. It's pretty close to what I'm looking for though. The thing is, oh, I guess she is undead. She's a ghostly apparition. Charisma spell save DC 14 is kind of low. I would probably up that. With mage armor, she has an AC of 16. That's fine. The weird thing is, she also has the ghost possession ability, as we've established. Alright, so let's add the mastermind. I'll be using this stat block, but not the token. Wait, don't add it here. Let's back. Because they'll be interacting with these villains before they uh, do the trials. That's why I'm kind of make sure I get this part first. Obviously, we need to we need to prepare the first room and then prepare them to go up or down the stairs. And then this is if they go down the stairs, they will immediately encounter the villains in this middle room. And then hopefully there will be a social role playing scene where the villains can basically explain uh, in place of having just a random NPC explain it, which would be this fucking talking walrus ice skating around. Uh, or the giant upstairs, which I'm still not sure if I'm going to use. Uh, instead, these villains who have been a major part of the story can then explain to the characters, all right, we're here for the Codicil of White. Um, you know, it will stop. Uh, we have reason to believe it will stop the rhyme, and it will get us into this lost city, both of which we want to have happen, and at least one of those things you, the players, want to have happen. So work with us. Complete the trials. We are currently through... Uh, her magic keeping the um, keeping us basically hidden from the Frost Maiden's um, kind of divine scrying features, essentially. Which means if the players choose to attack them, uh, the villains would probably. I'd have to come up with what sequence of events are going to happen. Do they? Do I actually let them fight to the death, or do I let Oral show up? And because now, you know, if she gets, if Neslantamir gets uh, interrupted, then that would cause uh, Oral to then show up and, and really kind of fuck up a lot of plans uh, right there. So hopefully they won't do that. Now, after they turn, they acquire the Codicil, they do the trials, um, then maybe all bets are off because at that point, these guys would want to just take the book for themselves and get out of here. Maybe try to take it by force. And in fact, what they would do probably is drop... Uh, maybe drop the spell, and that would spawn Aural into the room. Still need to get their hands on the codicil, though. And see, the, the problem is, this would be a great story, except for the players are there. <laughs> this, is the big, this is the big problem with uh, trying to conjure a and d, &D tale, as you want. You, you, to, you know, I've, I've talked about expanding and contracting... Uh, when it comes to storytelling, and I like when uh, lengthy campaigns do that. They have those you know, contracted moments where you go through a very strict tunnel and, and very specific things happen, and uh, it's very compelling story-wise, but the players, you know, it needs to play out a certain way, and then you can expand the action. Things, you know, open up, and you can go do multiple things and kind of make some choices, at least, again, the illusion of choice, if not real freedom of choice, and then at some point it will contract again. Like, every... 
RPG pretty much does this uh, video game wise. And I, I like to do that in my campaigns. The problem is when you get to those contracting points, you kind of have to end up playing it out like cutscenes. And it gets tricky because you don't necessarily want to take um, that control away from your players. But I think they can appreciate it if it's done pretty well and tells a compelling story. And so far, I've been able to uh, get away with it in certain circumstances. I think most famously at the end of the Shardle and Dig site, I was able to escape and then um, I, I think it helped that it started a fight. They immediately were able to jump into battle mode and not think like, oh, the DM just screwed us over. But it's like, oh, well, at least we get to fight something. I'm probably going to try to uh, do something here. I will also say that it gets harder and harder to pull those off as the players get higher and higher level and simply have more tools with which to fuck up anything the DM is going to throw at them. You know, whether it's like, okay, well, we're going to cast... Yeah, I, I don't think they have that yet, but like uh, whether the force bubble ability that just, you know, puts somebody away or, you know, banishment spell. There's, there's all kinds of spells. Obviously, the the DM can give the villains things like legendary resistance or powerful things, but it, it ultimately kind of comes out to a cop out like that. And, and really, I don't. The tricky thing is I don't necessarily need these villains to survive at that point. Like maybe it would be compelling to have the players start the fight, let it go back and forth, and then all of a sudden they realize that, oh, because she's no longer concentrating on the spell, that means Aural is suddenly locked onto us, and then Aural appears and just fucks up um, the villains. Like, that would, that's always a cool... I, actually, I love that trope. When, a, when you're introducing a more powerful villain, whether it's in the same story or a sequel or something, and you introduce them by having them, like, beat up or destroy... Um, or, you know, intimidate a previous head villain. Think of a lot of movies and films that have, like, franchises, like, do that shit. And I think that's really cool. That's a, such a good good way of setting up, like, a new threat. And I think that would actually be a, a pretty compelling way to introduce uh, Oral, who will absolutely be using bullshit like DM rules when it comes to how powerful she is. If that's the case, the players can try to fight her if they want to, but uh, I would imagine it would go... Very poorly with them because I plan on upscaling the crap out of her. She should absolutely be like a CR uh, 20 fucking threat. But that might be an interesting story development. And I kind of have to prepare for all of that. You were a... Did I have the other creature on here? Boker Wizard, I think is what I was going to go with. What you need to do is... Easier to oh shoot. I need to not use that token necessarily. Duplicate it and use the same token art. I don't have access to, or just do it manually, which is a pain in the butt. So if, I'd love to go to represents character, but then oh, you know what? I think I can do it. Let's see. If I say represents evoker wizard, I can just manually change the token thing. Well, Tony's actually done some updates on this. Represent a Voker Wizard. Your name is still Valish Gaunt. Gaunt. Valish Gaunt. Can be your NPC AC still. Uh, I don't know what your current hit points be. Change that to bottom overlapping. Voker Wizard has be. One twenty-one. Better. Again, gotta scale it up. 
And then what I'll do is I will actually change this default token and use this as the selected token. I don't think it's going to change this avatar, is it? That's the only bummer. I don't think I can change the avatar. Yeah, except to upload it. I can't see if this works. Can I upload you from here? I don't think I can. This is the only weird limitation. Like in order to change this, I would have to, I think, pop this out, save it on my computer, and then upload it, which is the dumbest fucking thing. But I don't think there's a way to just drag the art. If it was in the art gallery, I can grab it. But I don't think this uh, specific token is in the art gallery. I'll just say free. Yeah, in terms of like screwing up the cutscene stuff. Yeah, I could see that. It's not the end of the world. The only deal is I can't do the, the drop down would then show up as a no picture there. Do that. Gaunt can obviously uh, change. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and change his AC to 15 because that's change that anyway okay I don't care I don't need this stat block for anything else and just treat him like an auto attack that might be the easiest thing to do honestly you can do this explosion three creatures in the area to ignore the explosions we'll sculpt energy around them indeed yeah that's so strong like you can just open up with that and then just auto attack that's just straight damage Maybe I can give him some interesting spells. I'd probably like a counter spells would be the most effective. Definitely not the most interesting spellcaster, but I think having her be the more interesting spellcaster help alleviate my mental load when it comes to spellcasting. And then she could try and summon uh, those minions. Grab the Deathlock Mastermind. Let me grab that. This is a case where I need actually I need Valin's token, don't I? Because she would technically be in Valin's body. Yeah. Valin's token. But I would use her. So and that could be a case where maybe she gets new abilities if she's uh if they actually take down her form. Then she can pop out in ghost form. Maybe she gets different abilities that way. This is gonna, this should be a really interesting custom creature. Eventually, because the thing is, eventually I think they're gonna have to come to blows. It's either gonna be here, or well, this could really change the story a lot. If the villains actually make it out with the codicil, uh, versus if they if the players actually defeat the villains, then they just get charged by Oral to say. All right, you made it all the way in here. Um, I will agree to lift the rhyme, the perma darkness, if 
you go down into the glacier and I don't know, secure uh, energy that's down there because she's and the whole thing is that she's going to want to get it for herself and she doesn't trust the players and they shouldn't trust her it's going to be should be a very tenuous situation it's going to be tricky or or the villains are alive and they escape and then it's like alright you need to go chase after them and then make sure clear the way to the glacier so I can come in and stop whatever it's doing or something and she'll tease the fact that like I don't know she has you know if they ask her like why can't you do it she'd be like there's a power down there that's beyond even me or something you know something teasing which is kind of true in a way Gaunt Valen and Valen will have some kind of like a dome thing protecting them and put a aura How that looks. Pretty good aura. What these little alcoves are in here. Ten. Nice rink. There's a tunnel on their arches of the west and east lead to a pair of small chambers. Frosters and the workers are all use these rooms as sleeping quarters. No one's present when the characters arrive. Yeah, and you know, that would actually be pretty compelling is if, uh, in fact, that would be good environmental storytelling is if the players come across dead uh, minions of the Frostmaiden, like, to where they're like, oh, shit, somebody's been in here. It's the only spot to put them that would make sense. At this point, it would be, I guess, A, in this room, but I could put some on the first floor as well. Or they were just moving along invisibly and undetected by everything. Maybe they only killed things in, in this room because that's where they, they had to stop and set up. Put some frost druids down here. So it's like, okay, there were frost druids here, but we defeated them. Whereas on the first floor, maybe they were just able to kind of sneak by. Because I do want the players to be able to fight some shit. can put a couple it was weird whether to choose to use um token art or like art of corpses roster i think they'd be the only ones that would actually still show bodies Put a couple like they they really murdered a bunch of them. Go. I like that. Okay. Guards. We want to put on. First level, I like the idea of no 
monsters right outside of it because the players just had a lot of combat. But I do like the idea of those dragon skulls. In fact, can I get part of that somewhere? Calculating. Just want a... Uh, I need the skull, not... Uh, that could work. I'm just getting a bunch of flame skulls. I don't need actual monsters, I just need art. Well, the piercers are going to be like a trap. Uh, they'll essentially be a hazard. Kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. I can find better art than that. Somewhere. That's all this cutesy art of skulls. I need like non cute art of skulls. <laughs> I'm thinking you could put two flanking the door. Which I think we determined young might be the best thing to do, but you could trigger it twice. I think adult was way too strong. Clearly it'd be cold damage. Everything in here should basically be cold damage. Dragons. It was originally a frost giant fortress. Cold breath. Alright, I'm pretty much gonna copy this, I think. Ooh, two of those overlapping would be pretty nasty, though. So it's a 30-foot cone, DC 15, con save, ND8. Cold damage is an average of 45 damage for just a young dragon. Boy, that's painful. What does a 30-foot cone look like? Get, can I get the cone art? Oops, that's the wrong thing. Oh, I'm not sure that's the right art for it. Why have I uploaded this four times? <laughs> Barely see it. What is a 30 foot cone? Remember, these are 5 foot squares. It's actually not that big. One of these is 10. That's 10, 20. That's a 30 foot cone. 10, 20, 30. 
you could cover you had one on this side one going this way cover everybody at the door this is a weird case of like where is everybody positioned in front of this door or I just say maybe I don't even put them on the map yet and I just blanket everybody in both of these which would be pretty fucking nasty basically gotta make two saves for two of the oof maybe doing two is too much <laughs> a 15 con save taking an average of 45 cold damage on a failed save I mean literally if somebody fails twice that's probably gonna down them right there holy crap also, if he's got Detect Magic on, uh, that should probably come off as... Although, technically, I know a Dragon's Cold Breath is not a spell, weirdly enough. But I feel like you should detect something, right? Maybe doing two is too much. Maybe doing one is a better idea. Although, you know, they somebody like Vernie makes the save. If she's got Cold Breath, they're like, well, I take half of half, and they take nothing. They resist to Cold. Yeah. If they choose to drink the... I mean, two of them, I think, have base resistance to cold. I think that's Frey and Valravin. The rest of them have to choose to drink um, cold resistance potions, which they did drink two of them before. Um, I believe they, those have worn off by now, and that was the choice they had to make uh, in, in the last session, was whether to short rest and lose those effects. But yeah, resistance to cold damage certainly helps. Which case, if I'm not gonna, I might not even put them on this map while they're, because there's no point putting on the map until they have to actually like crawl through areas and uh, have some players who tend to linger behind and not, and just kind of wait till things happen. So I need to, I, I'm thinking twice about whether I want to put them on the map until they're actually through the door and way I can nail them with that old thing. That would also help balance it as if not everybody's sitting there at the door though as well. I could put some of those Frost Giant Skeletons that kind of knit together in here, or just leave it open and empty until they get to uh, G6. Explore around. I wish there was more uh, interactivity in these first couple rooms. Other than the weird old giant. The, the, the problem is it's going to be a little confusing because if they meet the weird old giant. They're going to ask him all kinds of questions about, well, has, you know, the, the villain's been in here and what's going on? He's not going to know anything because they probably just slipped right past him. So instead, he'll be able to inform them about, you know, the dungeon and Aural and all that kind of stuff, but he would be mistaken in giving them information that, uh, I mean, and he's not even lying to them. He's not duplicitous or anything. It's just he doesn't know. So I did think about maybe replacing... Um, these creatures, and maybe he can even hint the fact that, like, I, I, I think the, the guardians woke up, heard them chittering and angry, but didn't hear any sounds of battle. Didn't see anything. That, that might be a tease. Like, maybe you know, something went downstairs here, and it would also reveal the fact that there are guardians uh, here. Which thinking, what are some good? 
like construct type thing. I could use I could just use a snow golems, I guess. Filter by construct, maybe? Or uh, elemental might be a better one. I'm trying to think of the idea of using maybe gargoyles that were flavored like ice creatures. You know, give them like, oh, an error card. Five filters, damn you. I know gargoyles are only like CR2 or something. Me, some filters. I think a gargoyle is actually an elemental, right? I don't think it's a construct. Can we filter multiple? I'm trying to do that. Made it breath. Really? With one of the dragon that created it. Ha! Using it as a trap. That's an actual stat block you can use. Wow. That's interesting. Here are six and take five more. Aura, putrid aura, lightning form only. Forms does it have? I do a cold one. Red dragon, fire elemental, black dragon, water elemental, green dragon, and breath. A white dragon's animated cold breath looks like a walking ice sculpture with frigid air rolling around it. That sounds great. But it doesn't look like the white one has any extra features. Okay, the white one gets extra AC. AC, damage resistance, traits, and attacks. Dust, slam attack. Well, that's interesting. 100 hit points is a bit much for a thing. Breath. Really, I could give it like a cold aura, though. Like, a, what is it, Armor of Agathus? Kind of does that. I like that the default token art also looks like a cold creature, which is great. Just add your ass in here. I mean, we can work with that. It's cool to get a chance to use new creatures that... The players have not seen before. Portal stat blocks. Oh, that's good. It's actually a white dragon forming it, too. <laughs> yeah, this time it would be Aural creating this creature. And it's a large. Yeah, that's nifty looking. Okay, I like that one. That one I wouldn't be able to do minions as much though. It's got a hundred hit points, so you only do like two or three of them versus a horde. What else am I picturing? 
going through looking at Obi's two out of an ice elemental. I mean, there's always the snow golems, which I didn't actually use those in the druid fight. Humanoid shaped block of ice. We got five, 114. <laughs> Man, Cobalt Press makes them beefy. Burrow through non magical ice. It hits the ice elemental with a melee attack, one that deals bludgeoning damage within five feet. The ice elemental takes 1d6 piercing damage as shards of ice fly off from the elemental's body. Makes two ice claw attacks, which are pretty painful. 48 plus 4 plus 7. Or it can encase people in ice. That's interesting. Target must make a DC 14 con. Saving throw on a failure. Ice begins to form around the creature and it is restrained. Strange creature must repeat the saving throw at the end of its next turn, becoming petrified in ice. Failure. Okay. Some of these would be interesting also if Aural, uh, when she does come to attack, has some of these minions with her versus just being alone. I think, I already looked at this once. Um, remember, she shows up in Etherin, I believe. She has Frost Giant, Skeletons, Snow Golems, and Winter Wolves. The creatures that she has with her as written by the book. Wolves have cold immunity, are actually intelligent. Snow golems, creepy snow people, not intelligent at all, just mindless. They're more definitely more minion based. Also immune to a lot of things. Those I could use a bunch of if I wanted to. Maybe it'd be interesting to combine them. I could have a couple snow golems and then like one of those breaths or something. Or just to have, I think it would be probably a good idea to have one, maybe additional fight before uh, they meet up with the villains. They're not just fully fresh after a short rest. The only way to guarantee that is if I put it put it somewhere in this room because they can go downstairs directly from this first floor and then they're immediately in the uh, the villain area. Which again, hoping that's not a fight, hoping that can be a social scene and then they actually do the trials next. Uh, but it would probably be worth softening them up first and this would probably be the best room to do it at. Would be some kind of just guardians that the Frost Maiden is set up. That aren't ice methods because that is way too easy for the players to deal with. Although it'd be kind of interesting if you do a horde of them because I think they can all do their death burst thing, right? Dies, explodes in a jagged ice. DC 10 tech save, taking 1d8 slash damage. The problem is it's just so minuscule, I don't think it matters. 10, so I mean, the DCs are laughably low, the damage is low. I don't think it's worth using these ice methods at all. Even as, like, minions. It just wouldn't be worth running them. 
But the snow golems, this cool animated breath creature, this could all be a little more compelling. Got block again. Or an ice elemental could be good. Two slam attacks. You just overwrite it to say it's a old thing. I don't know what to call it. Cold breath. Yeah, cold breaths. Worst thing to call it, I guess. Distance. It's kind of just a brute force, isn't it? Just a slam. A lot of that damage. Which is kind of going to be the same about all of the creatures that, unfortunately, Frost Maiden uses. She doesn't really have good um, intelligent forces that actually cast spells, but we've got those minions down below, so hopefully we can maybe use a combination. This would just be a, kind of the boss of this little fight, I guess. Or we could just do a bunch of snow golems. Or I could do my original idea of throwing some gargoyles. Aren't gargoyles in this? Yeah, they are. Just like upscaling the ice methods to use the gargoyle stat block, but give them um, some of the ice method abilities. Two, makes two attacks. One with its bite, one with its claws. Just kind of upscale it, make it do more damage. At some point, that's functionally the same as the snow golems. The big thing about the snow golems is they can attack three times. They just have garbage for AC. But you also have to kind of assume players are almost going to hit every time they attack anyway because they have such crazy big modifiers. Ocracy? Right, snow golems should be in my journal already. I didn't get to use them before in the druid fight, so I'm feeling a cold shoulder. <laughs> really feeling the snow golems more. Them on here. Let's see what the the other one, the ice elemental. All of them are just melee bruisers, right? They all just have the same thing. Which they just auto-attack, they go forward and just do their basic attacks. They don't really have any other kind of tactics about them. They're probably weak to being kited, but thankfully it's a very melee-heavy team. And they wouldn't have any spell defenses. The ice the ice model does have the cool ability to ace somebody in ice with a con save. Petrified. Takes at least ten fire. That's interesting. Petrification lasts till the creature is at least one hour in a warm environment. Alternatively, a creature can be freed of the restrained or petrified condition if it takes at least ten fire damage. What's crazy is this is not on a, I feel like it should be on a recharge, because as written, he can just do this every single turn. But it also means you're not doing anything else because I think if you make the save, nothing happens. So definitely a big risk. Let's 
So yeah, those are three different interesting creatures, one of which we've seen before and would make uh, more appropriate minions versus the others could be kind of a marquee fight, but I think I'll figure out some combination to include that here as the kind of the one fight the players have to do, and maybe I'll give them warning be able to use that giant. <laughs> the only reason I'm leaning towards it now is because there's nothing else for the players to really explore and do on this first level. It's just so freaking empty. I love this kitchen, I forgot. Uh, or was one of them. File tiles. But there's just empty, there's nothing to find in any of these. Big ass empty rooms, which is a bummer. You the vile tiles. Frozen decor, I was right. The search didn't show up. Oh Michael. Ross covers a bloated trestle table. It stands amid rotting barrels and casks in the middle of what used to be a kitchen. Storage racks along the walls have collapsed into piles of rotted timber, along with the jugs, tankards, and drinking horns that once rest on the roasting spit. Icicles is mounted about a 10-foot diameter iron brazier coated with rhymes to near the back wall. A lot of description for an empty-ass room. I feel like I should give the players something if they search these areas them for looking around and you know, hey maybe something was left behind that giant 10 foot barrel but that's fine racks bone piles bones lots of frozen bones braziers Five foot frozen dinners. <laughs> All ready to go. Because even though the villains are already here, I'm not sure they would have even cared about looting this place. They've got their eyes on the prize. You know, it, it's kind of a Jafar Cave of Wonders situation where it's like he doesn't give a fuck about uh, anything else. He just wants the lamp. And in this case, they just want the codicil. Uh, anything else is just uh, not worth their time or risk. Which is actually also part of it. They don't want to risk, uh, you know, they maybe she's had to be concentrating on the spell to avoid Arl's wrath so they can't sit there and go room to room and loot things. Maybe we can have, oh jeez. Open treasure full of coins. Maybe I can just throw a thing in here and I can give them the equivalent of I don't even know what would survive that would be frozen or put the chest in the armory delicious potions have been survived this long well 
map player will figure it out. Giving them a loot counts as being able to interact with a room. And as far as I'm aware, Grim Scala has doesn't have much. Now, this giant is sitting on a pile of loot. I could move that around. In fact, Alchemy Jug is... That's not the one I was picturing. I think I was picturing uh, Kaogtum's ointment. Yeah, the jug's actually weird where you can grab all this stuff out of. You could put Kaogtum's ointment, which is just like a bunch of healing potions. Maybe in one of them. Rates, everything's giant sized. Yeah, something that's like custom. Custom consumables. Ooh, you know what would be a good one is something that basically... Wow, that wouldn't make any sense. I was thinking something that would give them cold resistance. That would make sense that Frost Giants would have that, though. Because they're already cold immune. But maybe that's just an effect you have if you're not a Frost Giant. You eat some of the stuff that's been supernaturally frozen. Maybe it could be a thing where if you consume the meat, you have to make like a con save... And if you succeed, then a good thing happens, like getting cold resistance. But if you fail, then a bad thing happens. Uh, and you, like, straight up take damage or gain exhaustion or something. It tastes like, you know, freeze-dried. That could be pretty compelling for some custom kitchen loot. A good idea, and I think it's coming together. All right, I think that is actually going to do it for uh, this session of... Crafting Icewind Dale. If you enjoy the content, please check out patreon.com slash Watson. Shouts to Platinum Patrons, Joe, Will, Thomas, Stan, William, I'm Loud, Brandon, Genocider, David, Eclectic, Roleplay, Roll, Christopher, Brian, William, David, Jamin, Clams, Koa, Kurt, the Cora, Koa, 13, God damn it, Corey, Koa, 1337, Jacob, Eric, and Kyle, Gold Patrons, RPG, Papercrafts, Pretty Boy, and you, Marcus, David, Le Dead, Lizard, my goodness, Dead Lizard, Lion, Sam, Lopez, Buds, Jerome, Nathan, Fazaka, Tortoise, Scott, Humanoid, Size, Sphincter, Stephanie, Refus, and Carolyn, thank you all very much for your support. I will see you all for d, &D tomorrow night, but note, it is not going to be around the Frost Maiden. We are playing a Halloween one-shot. I will see you all for that. And then for patrons, I will see you, Platinum Patrons, tonight for our patron game. Poison Condition, that's a good one, too.